You're listening to Getting Big and Green. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Laura. And we like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun and approachable way. This week on the podcast, we're speaking to our friend Allie about her work volunteering with Pride House TO, an organization that aimed to make the Pan Am and Parapan Am Games the most inclusive sporting event in history. We also asked her a bunch of really hard questions in retrospect about how to be a good ally, any misconceptions of the LGBTQ community as well, um, among well-intentioned people, and I'm so excited to have this perspective on the podcast. Awesome. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Guinea Pig and Green. Hi, Laura. Hi, Steph. How's it going? Good, good. Um, how are you? I'm excellent. I just came back from a week away up north with my family, and it was such an awesome way to spend August. Yay! August is such a great month. And today is going to be such a great episode because we're here with our friend Allie, um, who was a volunteer for an organization called Pride House TO, um, which worked at the Pan Am Games. So, Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about what Pride House TO was working towards and how you got involved with them? Yeah, so um, Pride House TO was um, sort of a initiative hosted during the Pan Am and Parapan Am Games here in Toronto. Um, and it focused on creating an intentional space for um, LGBTQ people and allies to celebrate the games. So their goals included trying to make the Pan Am Games the most inclusive games yet, uh, creating a safe space and welcoming space for athletes and visitors uh, to our city and the games. Um, and also profiling and celebrating uh, LGBT inclusion in sport, promoting human rights uh, in the Americas in a totality, and also raising awareness uh, surrounding homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia in sport. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot to take in. Um, they had a lot of goals, um, but they all sort of integrate and connect to each other. And then personally, um, I think I got involved because I saw someone that I used to play hockey with um, start posting about it on Facebook and was active and volunteering with them. So I helped coordinate community events and um, volunteered during the games at the Pride House TO Pavilion and Community Hub, which was based out of the 519 um, Church Street uh, Community Center. Um, and so they hosted events and different sort of um, community endeavors and parties and sports events during the Pan Am Games. Cool. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, the acronym LGBTQ. So uh, I guess is, is that the accepted acronym for sexual identity that's being most used today? Uh, yeah, I think the short answer would be yes. There is a very long acronym that I often cannot remember all the words or letters, yeah. but it's, I, I don't even know if I should go into it, but, um, there's like two basically Q's, short. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's like LGBTQQ2SA, I think okay. it is, which is like, and I mean, queer, which is like, you know, 
often on the end of LGBT is sort of encompassing that. So it's just encompassing like questioning people and queer people and two spirited and allies and yeah, all that. So yeah, LGBTQ is good. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to confirm because I think sometimes yeah. people don't know what the acronym seems to change a lot. So it's good to know what's currently um, accepted. Yeah, that should be, that's good. <laughs> so, cool. Ali, the motto of Pride House TO is a place for all in sport. Um, what kinds of discrimination do LGBTQ identified individuals usually face in sports? Is this something more from a sports fan perspective that Pride House Toronto or Pride House TO wanted to tackle, or is it an athlete perspective? Um, I'd say they were trying to. Um, tackle it from both perspectives um, and very much like experiencing it across different um, individuals and different identities because the way it's experienced with um, cross gender is very different and across like trans people and race and culture and um, professional levels is very different and I think, especially across gender, between men and women, um, I'd say that discrimination is experienced quite differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, for example, you know, there aren't very many, or there's like two out male currently playing professional athletes versus like women, although there aren't very many professional leagues that exist. Mostly you're playing on a national level for your country, but. Um, for example, in the Women's World Cup, I think there was 17 publicly out participants, mm-hmm. which were two coaches and 15 players, which is a pretty high number when you consider that there are zero like male out professional soccer players. Um, and I think this is due to a range of factors, including ideas tied up in masculinity and femininity and how one should be when they're playing sports and what kind of sport you're playing, but also in perspective earnings and how Mm -hmm. that difference between male and female sports. Um, I think that's kind of a vague answer, but (laughs) we can get more into it if you want to. Yeah. We'd love to hear, um, also if you have any insight onto the different kinds of discrimination that LGBTQ identified people would tend to face if they're playing sports. Is that in what kind of coverage they get? Or you mentioned compensation. Is that often a factor? Or is it just that most people aren't out because they're worried about those kinds of factors? Yeah, well, I think definitely for men, there is a lot of issues tied up in like the hyper-masculinity of sports mm-hmm. and and professional sports. So, you know, football and soccer and, um, hockey, those are hyper-masculine sports and coming out or being gay in those sports is sort of seen as like weak and feminine as, and it's very much other. Mm -hmm. And so they still fear, I think a large part that their careers were suffer. And a lot of the time it's the amount of pressure that would come with being the first gay professional Mm -hmm. athlete in whatever chosen sport you have. And like, the pressure to perform well and represent an entire community in that, in this like realm. Um, and I think we, I don't know. I followed, um, Michael Sam. He's the professional, um, football player that came out when he was being drafted and, you know, like 
despite being an out player, you're still just an athlete and you might not be the best athlete on the field, but you're just trying your best, but people are the spotlights on you in a very different way versus women. Um, there isn't really a professional, um, industry in the same way. And I guess as well from the nature or the gendered nature of these sports sort of masculinity is celebrated in a lot of these professional Mm -hmm. sport, um, areas. So, um, you know, gay women and being more masculine sometimes go hand in hand and on a professional level, like they don't have as much of an issue with, um, you know, being drafted and being compensated well and having endorsement deals. Um, so maybe they don't have as much to lose, but I think overall in women's sports, there's a lot more, um, acceptance and, uh, support and celebration of queer women participating, which is really great to see. And, um, awesome just in terms of like the U S women's national team has like a number of out gay players and they're sponsored by Nike and they have great endorsement deals and they're well supported and celebrated, which is just like Mm -hmm. a great thing to see, but I just wish that it would translate as well to the male games. And then for trans athletes, I would say it's even more difficult because there is um, a lot of issues with being denied acceptance in your sport due to your trans status, um, which is really tough. And But I remember seeing an article a few months ago where um, Harvard recently uh, gave an option to an incoming trans athlete. gave them the option of joining either the male or female swim team, which was really cool because they just respected their um, gender identity and chosen gender identity rather than their biological um, identity. And yeah, it's just like really great to see someone, uh, he transitioned after high school, was previously um, participating in women's sports and then on in Harvard uh, joined the men's team which and was like accepted open arms and celebrated there which is very cool. So what did it mean then to create a safe and welcoming space for LGBTQ individuals during the Pan Am Games? Um, I think for me it was really important to have both a social and fun aspect but also a um more like um community engaged and more like legal aspect maybe not legal isn't the right term but um just like identifying and realizing that um being a gay athlete in some of the other participating Pan Am countries isn't as easy as it is in Canada. Mm. Um, so, for example, Pan Am, or Pride House TO um, hosted so many amazing events that were community-based from, like, interfaith blessings, which I helped volunteer at, and then also, like, sports events that included para-Pan Am sports and different things for the anyone who could come participate in and also had viewing ceremonies for anyone who was interested in attending that were really fun and networking events, but also had like a strong importance on creating awareness and saying we're here, our, these athletes are here and let's respect everyone and be inclusive. But they also provided support for athletes seeking asylum, um, which I thought was really cool and really important from um, 
countries in the Americas that may have um, laws that like being gay is punishable by law. Um, So I thought that it was cool that they didn't just have this sort of party element and fun element, but also were furthering, I don't know, to help these athletes or visitors if, if the need be. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, which I was like, I, I was, I was, I didn't know that going in. I learned about it after, and I was impressed, really impressed by that. I don't know if any, if it ended up occurring or how much of that, because I wasn't involved in that part. But I thought that that was like a strong uh, aspect of their like campaign and initiative. Mm-hmm. So, right, yeah, that's great. When it comes to creating a safe space, what do you think uh, are possibly some of the mistakes that are made more often by well-intentioned allies who don't realize that they're creating an unsafe space for LGBTQ people? Um, maybe just assumptions about LGBTQ people and like generalizations are probably the most difficult to um, I don't know, pinpoint, but also, like, as as someone who identifies that way, it's hard to, like, I don't know. That's, I think that's, like, one of the, one of the issues that comes up most often. Yeah, yeah, and just, like, respect that every person is different, just like anyone else would be, and that making, like, sweeping generalizations about, like, their sexuality or the where they're supposed to act or how they dress or anything like that mm-hmm. is something that like stifles people more than anything. Um, and sort of like listening to their stories and who they are as people is most important, but also, um, that despite living in an amazing city like Toronto there, and, and it's so, in, it's so inclusive for the most part and liberal and a safe and great place to live there are just really like microaggressions and small acts that make it like a little bit discriminatory. And I think that, um, people don't realize it and not necessarily allies are doing this, but, but just understanding that day to day, despite living in a really liberal and inclusive city, there are things that LGBTQ people face that like is frustrating. And, um, I think that, our allies don't always realize they still occur Mm -hmm. um, despite our city. And not to put you on the spot or anything, but can you think of any examples of those kinds of microaggressions um, that happen every day? Yeah, so, I mean, um, personally, um, I would say, like, you know, despite, like, most of the time I'm walking down the street with my girlfriend holding her hand and nothing is amiss. It's everything is great. Mm-hmm. But then there's like times, you know, where we're subject to like remarks from people walking by us on the street. Wow. Um, just like strangers saying things that are really like, you know, under their breath or just straight up like homophobic um, as well as, I don't know, just like, shouting from cars or honking and even um, just like the ridiculous amount of staring Mm -hmm. that we have to put up with, which is like, those sound like such small things and compared to other places, they're very minute, but they're just like, they take a toll and it's not, it's not as like, it's not the utopia that um, one would imagine. 
So, yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, constantly having your guard up if you're walking up to a group of people that you might not face being, like, a hetero couple. That it's just, like, not always an awesome Right. Or to even have to think, oh, should I... Is Are there behaviors that I shouldn't engage with because I don't want to have to deal with that kind of crap? Yeah, exactly. Like, should we not be holding right. our hand uh, right now because we might get a comment or people – I don't know. It's just, like, yeah. most time it's fine, but um, there are times that it happens. Yeah, there's such so. a level of it's bravery there that shouldn't be required, but um, – yeah. Yeah, do you think that, for example, this is something that I've never been sure of and Laura and I are not sure. We both kind of think that the answer is no, Um, but do you ever feel that there's an appropriate time to ask about someone's sexuality or um, how would you go about doing that in a a way that was respectful? Or is that even, I personally don't think it's um, an important question to need to ask somebody, but um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say that for the most part, don't ask because usually if the person wants you to know, they'll say something, Mm. um, in a way that like might be very small, just like mentioning going to the village or to some bar or an ex of the same gender or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that like, asking usually isn't the most appropriate because you probably wouldn't do that to, like, a straight person. (laughs) Um, But, like, personally, if someone asked me if I was gay, I'd be like, yeah, obviously. Like, it's not... It wouldn't... I wouldn't... It wouldn't phase me. But to to err on the side of caution, it's always, like, let them come out to you. And although coming out to everyone is a tiring experience all the time it's sort of like don't make the assumption that they're straight or gay just sort of like let them come to you in whatever they way they feel most comfortable with yeah and unless you're trying to ask that person out their sexuality yeah totally exactly doesn't mean much to how you yeah unless you're them. trying to sleep <laughs> yeah. with them or ask them on a date then like it's probably not super it's relevant not, to your yeah. life and yeah that's a good rule of thumb too <laughs> Do you, do you think that there are any big misconceptions about the LGBTQ community? I know you mentioned earlier, um, you're like, oh, it's not all, like, parties and rainbows or something to that effect. Um, but <laughs> on top of that, are there, is there anything that you believe uh, is a misconception? Um, I think uh, it's not all, like, pride. Okay. <laughs> Pride is a good source of, like, fun. And, I mean, in, like, Pride Toronto, like, the party oh, yeah, yeah. weekend. Not, like, it's not all, like, prideful. Not, that's not <laughs> like, but, um, Yeah, it's not, like, like how you see it on, like, Pride weekend. Um, and, I mean, misconceptions, like, otherwise, it's just that, like, you know, um, just because someone doesn't look typically... Um, LGBTQ identified doesn't mean they aren't so I know like a lot of the times with like more masculine guys they find that you know they're not as represented in the community and people you know being surprised that you're gay isn't like necessarily like a good um reaction to someone coming Mm -hmm. out and the same with like um more feminine um appearing women it's sort of like this assumption that all 
queer women are more butch or masculine and that like their visibility has always been a big issue I think in the greater society at large but also in you know like queer networks it's sort of like how do I broadcast that I'm queer while maintaining like my own sort of identity mm-hmm. um so I just would say yeah like um misconceptions surrounding like who is and isn't queer based on how they look and just like not everyone is in the like church street party scene or <laughs> and that kind of thing I mean and like queer west even too it's sort of like not making any assumptions about anyone in that community or any community regardless. right I mean it's like just recognizing that people are individuals there are a thousand ways to be straight and there are a thousand ways yeah. to be queer so that's good yeah. advice um we, because Laura and I both identify as straight, and but we care a lot about LGBT, um, the LGBT community and being better allies. So how can um, the average person, whatever their identification, be a better ally? Um, is it a matter of speaking up or letting um, the queer voices speak for themselves? Or what, what are your thoughts on how to be a better ally? Um... Hmm. I think, again, sort of going back to, you know, making, not making assumptions and generalizations, but also, like, um, of course, speaking up if you ever hear any sort of discrimination mm-hmm. against any one in that group. And it can be, like, like, small, minute things, but also, I don't know, I mean, people have kind of moved away from saying that's gay or anything like that. Um, but also I think listening to people's stories and experiences and, um, like just like throwing away these expectations of what it means to be gay. And, um, yeah. So like, I mean, I remember when I was coming out, like I was so afraid of being a stereotype and people sort of expecting me to be gay because it's like, oh, well, there's a lot of gay hockey girls. So (laughs) it's sort of like, oh, of course you are. You're a hockey girl and you did this and that. And it's sort of like, well, no, like, that's not really what you want to hear. You're your own person and had your own experience. And and yeah, that kind of thing. Totally. so. Yeah, um, for anybody listening who doesn't know, and which would probably be the majority of people listening, Allie and I <laughs> met playing hockey in high school. So Allie and I were on the same hockey team. Uh, and then we played intramurals together as well in university at McGill. Um, so we've, we've known each other for a while in a sports context. Um, and when I think about, I think when I think about sport and inclusiveness in sport, I know Pan Am was a major focus for Pride House TO, but I also think about how many young athletes, uh, either in their adolescent or late teens, um, how difficult that must be with uh, struggling with their sexuality within a realm where, like as you mentioned, like sport isn't usually a place where your sexuality comes up, and there are a lot of gender norms when it comes to sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I think, and it's in, like, and it's, that just makes me think back to, like, how important it is to have, like, a role model, when, like, for those young people, and I think Pride House is also helping with that, like, sort of showcasing some queer athletes that these people might, like, look up to, I don't know. I think that's a huge thing yeah, too. definitely. Uh, do you think that there are 
um, specific challenges in health and wellness that members of the LGBTQ community face? Uh, specifically in, I'm more of like the structured Western medical fashion there might be mm. some things I can think of. Um, <laughs> like, like as in for doctors? examples, like who are, yeah, going to see like a family doctor or a clinic. Um, there's, uh, I've experienced a number of times there's sort of this assumption that everyone is heterosexual right. And I, I've always sort of found it amusing because um, I've never been in, like, a place of, like, I'm always in sort of a privileged position where I can, I have access to doctors and clinics and um, great health care. But, for example, you know, they, uh, a doctor will ask if you're sexually active and then about uh, birth control specifically <laughs> and that like assumption and then you know I, I've said like oh I don't I don't use any and then they seem confused and then they're silent <laughs> for a moment and then I sort of drop the gay bomb um, and it's just always been like really amusing for me to watch their reactions and sort of being like and checking their own like bias being like okay uh, well you know it, it shouldn't have just assumed that um or like a travel doctor lecturing me on the importance of bringing um, birth control to on vacation because people generally <laughs> end up being sexually active and when they weren't planning on it and they don't have condoms and I'm just sort of sitting there <laughs> smiling and being like, oh, okay, thanks for the tip. <laughs> um, but like on a more serious note, a lot of doctors aren't well-versed and the specific needs of the LGBTQ uh, community mm -hmm. in terms of health and wellness and might be issues surrounding um, discussing sexual activity or not being sensitive to um, gender identity issues and how that might affect, um, you know, having a routine physical or um, any, like, anything like that. So... I think that that's an issue and I, I don't know, I can't really speak to in terms of like wellness as a whole, but, um, I also w would want to say that, you know, people of color and low income people in the LGBTQ mm. community are even more disenfranchised in terms of accessing quality healthcare. Um, and I'm not as well versed in those areas either, but that's definitely, um, something that is more of an issue than I think we like to believe. And that's like really discussed on a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really important to consider as well. The intersectionalities of different um, types of privilege. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Is there any resources for people who are queer for like databases of doctors that are inclusive that you know of? Yeah. Well, um, there is like um, a few online. There's, I think there's one called Rainbow Health Ontario okay. that lists um, a number of resources of queer friendly doctors or queer identifying doctors, which is very mm -hmm. cool. And also I know that the Sherburne Health Clinic um, also provides a lot of resources to people who are LGBTQ identifying and, and in a range of areas from mental health to just finding a family doctor, to having clinic help, to 
um, I think legal issues as well. So those are both um, really great resources, I think, in Toronto. And I'm not sure on any Canada as a whole, but I know those are uh, Toronto-based ones that are great. Awesome. We'll be sure to include those in the show notes. Um, and on that, on that note, if you have any other ally organizations uh, that you think that we should be keeping an eye out for that you think would be a really good resource for anybody listening, um, yeah, we can, we can include those as well. I can't think of... There was one um, sort of LGBTQ sports identified organization, but I can't remember the name right now. Um, I feel like it's called Ally Athletes or something like that, mm-hmm. but I, I just can't. Remember. But any, um, in general, um, that just focus on LGBT oh. awareness and uh, that kind of... Um, well, the 519 uh, Church Street Community Center is really, really great in terms of a Toronto-based resource cool. um, for everything. Like, they, that's where... Um, Pride House TO was based out of, mm-hmm. and they provide resources to LGBTQ families in whatever way that's encompassed, and trans people, and low-income people, and holding events, and just generally being open to people who are in more um, disenfranchised populations, which is amazing. Mm. And I just think that the work they do is really not spotlighted enough in Toronto. And they're, they're like, open so many hours a day, provide meals for on weekends for, like, anyone who for free. And, like, I think it's breakfast on Saturday and Sundays, uh, but I have to check. But they they do some pretty amazing work. Um, And then also Pride House um, is not going to be based in Toronto anymore, but they're looking forward to um, their involvement in Rio in 2016. Oh, cool. So they'll be there um, providing initiatives and support and inclusivity. Very cool. Is that a Canadian organization, Pride House? I don't know. I know they have like an international body, but oh, I'm not okay. sure where it was started or, yeah. Well, this is exciting. Um, I'm so glad that we finally get to include some of these resources and some of these perspectives on our podcast. I think it's yeah. long overdue. Um, and yeah, you. we were talking about this before we started recording with you, which is that you just have so much more in-depth knowledge in any of this than Steph and I do. So being able to bring guests like you on who can actually speak to these topics better than we could attempt to is amazing. Yeah, and it's such a privilege for us to be able to share um, different perspectives on our show. So thank you so much for giving your time to this this conversation. It's been so great. Well, thanks for having me. I liked uh, talking with you guys. It was fun. I like discussing this stuff. So anyone who's willing to listen, (laughs) it's fun. Yeah, (laughs) amazing. Um, Anybody who's listening who wants to get in touch with us over social media, any comments about the show, uh, you can reach us at Green Guinea Pigs on Twitter uh, and at Guinea Pig and Green on Facebook. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, Allie. Bye. 
It's Steph. If you liked what you heard today, then consider subscribing to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you can leave us a rating and a comment on our page. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.